Rhodium Radio. No sad podcast. Rhodium Radio. No sad podcast. In the shitty city of Wilmington, we keep it rocking. So come on, shake, shake it for me, Kelly. Yeah. Dr. Dre is in full effect, and I gotta tell y'all a little something. Easy E is down with us. MC Ring, you know he's down with us. DJ Yella is down with us. Arabian Prince, you know he's down with us. Tony A. The Wizard is down with us. JJ Fag is down with us. Timmy T, you know he's down with us. DJ Pooh Boy is down with us. Toddy P and Spade, they're down with us. My boy Ice Cube, you know he's down with us. I like to mention, so pay attention to where I'm from. Compton, but the tapes are from the rodeum. My name is Dre, listen while I play. And by the way, I'm also down with NWA. Yo, Steve at the rodeum is down with us. Slanging funky tapes, it is a must. We're number one. Welcome back, everybody, to Rhodium Radio, episode 43, if I'm correct. Yes, I think it is episode 43. Uh, I'm not going to waste too much time with uh, announcements. You guys already know, you guys want to watch the documentary, go to documentary.com. Uh, if you guys want to purchase the new mixtapes uh, via download, go to documentary.com. As a matter of fact, people have been hitting me up for more CDs for the hard copies. I'll pick, be picking those up tomorrow. I'll be picking up 88 Boom and Bass, 86 in the Mix, High C and 24-7 uh, because people have been wanting uh, those CDs once again. And I got four more coming. After that, I'll have the documentary on Blu-ray uh, hard copy as well that you guys can order those too. But uh, before I introduce my next guest, first of all, let me say that I am truly honored and I'm truly blessed to have these brothers here with me. Uh, these brothers are considered, you know, Bakersfield royalty. I'll even go as far as saying Mexican royalty. Not only did they break artists, breaking artists as far as playing their music and help boosting their career, but also breaking down barriers as far as being Mexicans on the radio. So without further ado, please allow me to introduce the Baker Boys, Eric and Nick. You got it right. You got it right. Yes, Thank you. Thank you, my brother. Thank you. Uh, you know what? Let me ask you guys first. Uh, beginning with you, how was the drive over here? Oh, the drive was fine. Yeah. The drive was fine. Um, ran into a little bit of traffic. Nick V had an issue on the freeway, though. So yeah, had a little blowout. <laughs> flat tire. Flat tire. I, I saw the tire, man. I was like, what the hell? The but government. It's the government, bro. They're trying to stop us, man. <laughs> They're trying to, trying to stop rolling radio. Yeah. <laughs> the Baker Boys. So, you, you know what? Um, I usually like to ask my guests to kind of try to break the ice a little bit, more or less uh, breaking the ice for me because I'm amongst professionals. Okay, and I say that because I've only been doing this for a couple of months. I remember talking to Eric uh, when I saw him not too long ago, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And I was telling you that when we started this, I didn't really know what the hell what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And then I remember you told me, neither does anybody else. <laughs> you know? That's the truth. You know, so here we are, and I'm thankful that you guys accept, accept, accepted my request to uh, allow me to interview you guys. You know. Thanks for inviting us, man. It's a pleasure to be here and an honor. You've had some incredible guests here, and there's going to be even more. And we're just one of uh, one of your guests. It's part of your journey here. Thank you. Thank you guys for coming. Now, um, has there been any good movies you guys been watching lately? Seen uh, anything good? What was the last good movie I seen? I'm trying to think. Damn, I'm, I'm trying to think because I'm, I'm I'm a very harsh movie critic. Yeah, me too. Like I will not tell you it's good unless it <laughs> blows me away, unless it like 
hits me uh, emotionally or, or, you know, the last really good movie I think I seen was Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, when I seen that yes. movie the first time, I, I the next day we were doing a show at Dash. I, I told Nick, I said, Nick, you got to see this movie. Like I was telling everybody, it's like this movie is going to win awards. It's going to, it sold me. You yes. know, there was an emotional connection. Not only uh, was I a, a Queen fan as far as their music goes, because their melodies and everything that they do was incredible, and it's still to this day. But the way they put that movie together and the way the actor pl played the role of Freddie Prinze and the whole the whole thing, it was just done right. Yes. You know, from the beginning to the end. And, um, you know, um, that was probably one of the last movies that I personally really liked okay. a lot. I haven't been to the movies in a little while. I can't even remember the last one that I went to go see. Okay. I've been watching stuff on Netflix. Uh, did, did you get to watch the Queen movie? The Bohemian oh, yeah, Rhapsody? yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody. What did you think it about was, it? It was awesome. Yeah. He did a great job, the the actor. Uh-huh. And they did a great job portraying and telling the story and let everybody know an insight on who he was and why he did the things he did. Okay. Freddie Mercury. Uh, I would probably say that 2019, that was my favorite movie. Yeah. That was my favorite movie. Today, I watched a little bit of Netflix. I wasn't a huge Netflix fan because uh, I, I thought for a long time they had a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. But they came back with a bunch of good stuff. Yeah. Like right now, my favorite one is Dracula. And I, I matter of fact, I recommended it to somebody. Today. Yeah. Awesome. So there's like three series. And it, it starts from back then to like now. So... It's actually pretty good. So if you guys ever have time and you're not playing video games, because I don't really yeah, play Madden. Yeah, I play a lot of video games. I was actually playing this morning. I got off at like 7 this morning. So I was playing, you know. <laughs> then we had to do our, our syndicated show. So I had to meet Nick at 8.30 this morning. Mm -hmm. And then I took a little nap before I came here. Now, now do you play uh, video games as well? No, not like I, I, I used to just a little bit. Uh, I had an unfortunate accident with my neck. And I was stationary for like three months. So oh, wow. I got into video gaming then and it was Gears of War and I loved it. And mm. But I haven't really been, been on since. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You know, I, I'm a big time gamer. I just haven't played any games in a long time. But I was telling your brother that I love Madden. That's pretty yeah. much. Oh, you guys are not playing it. each other? Yeah, but he's on PS4. PS4. He's, yeah. on, he's on PS4. So the divide. It's like, it's like iPhone and Samsung. Right. Right? Or, like, or the, like Star Wars and Star Trek. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, so now we're... Uh, are you guys originally from uh, Bakersfield, California? Born okay. and raised out there. Um, you know, we lived there till I think it was '93 when we finally moved to LA. We made the move to LA. We were we were doing radio. Um, you know, back then our big influence was K Day, K D A Y, fifteen eighty AM K Day. Um, so we used to listen to K Day on the roof, on the rooftop in Bakersfield wow. after like midnight, one o'clock, two in the morning. We're on the top of a two-story house with a boombox and a like our self-made uh, antenna, antenna to to get because you could get AM. It, it would actually travel to the Bay Area, from what I heard. You that could you hear, hear it on the Golden, on Gate, the Golden Gate, Bridge. Gate Bridge. So wow. it was like a huge antenna antenna on the Golden Gate Bridge, so people would you know be on the around the Golden Gate Bridge to pick up K Day. So listening to that. That was a huge influence to us um, as far as what they were doing, the DJ stuff, you know, from Tony G to Julio G to uh, Jam and Gemini, all the old K Day mix masters, Egyptian Lover, you know. Jam and Gemini. <laughs> yeah, all that stuff. So that was a huge, that, that really kind of spawned us into wanting to do radio. We wanted to do that, but in Bakersfield for Bakersfield. Wow. And so that's what led us into radio. Okay. Okay. Now, uh, well, what would you say uh, was the type of music that, as growing up at home, you, you guys would listen to as far what kind of music would your parents play? Wide range of stuff. Um, funk, 
first and foremost. Uh, my mom loved reggae music. My sister, our sister, loved uh, pop music in the eighties. Um, and our brother, yeah, our brother was big into funk. So, Cameo, Confunction, Prince, Lakeside, uh, Lakeside, SOS One Man. Way, all the good shit, basically. Right. Um, and then you know we got the 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 pop side from our sister who B-52s. listened to uh, Devo, B fifty twos, Thomas Dolby, uh, the Ramones. I love the Ramones. Yeah, I'm a huge Ramones fan. So we kind of got the both uh, best of both worlds at that time. We didn't hear a lot of Mexican music no. growing up at all with no. our parents. Okay. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. At home, it was pretty much my mother and my father, us, all they pretty much played was Mexican music. It would be my father every once in a while, he would play like some uh, Chuck Berry, Chubby Checkers, mm. you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, but my, now me coming from a big family, it was my brothers that played. Uh, the BGs, Chicago, uh, 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 Boss Gags, and then my other brother would play all the funk, the cameo, the Prince, you know. But when I got introduced to Prince, that's when I just like fell in love with like his ass, you know. Like, oh, hey, wait, wait, his, his ass? His ass? Oh, you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm just saying. You gotta be careful what Tony, you say, bro. Tony. Oh, you know what? I'm glad you guys are correcting me. I'm learning. I'm learning, yeah, bro. You gotta be careful. You gotta be cognizant of this. Yes, thing. sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, let me rewind that back. Okay. So, uh, now, growing up as kids out there in Bakersfield, who would you say that you guys saw? You know, I know you guys told me you guys grew up hearing K Day. Uh, was there anybody that would you say influenced you guys that you guys might have saw to start picking up the turntables? Well, there was a few DJs actually in Bakersfield that influenced me without me knowing they were influencing me. Uh-huh. At all the weddings and quinceañeras and all that stuff that we, our family was invited to, there was a few DJs that were always there. DJ Jerome was one of them. Um, DJ Flash was one of them. Um, and then later on was DJ Moses A. When he was the DJ at our teenage nightclub in Bakersfield at the time in 84. And so when I saw him doing what he was doing, I kind of lost my mind at 11 years old. And I was like, that's what I wanted to do. That's wow. what I want to do. Wow. But earlier on, going to these weddings and these quinceañeras, I didn't know that why I was sitting in front of these DJs just watching them and tapping my feet, just watching them. You know. But now, more cognizant of... What I was doing as a youngster, I, I understood now that I, they were inf- I was interested in it. Yeah. But when I saw to- uh, Moses A, it was like, wait a minute, this can be a thing. You got to tell you the, the story behind this can be a thing, though, because <laughs> it's always funny when I hear it. So the okay. reason he wanted to become a DJ was not to actually DJ. It was all the stuff that came along with being a DJ, mm. meaning uh, uh, girls. <laughs> <laughs> Cigarettes, alcohol, thousand kids on the dance floor, high energy music happening. It was it was just heaven to me. It was like whoa. Yes, I lost it. Wow. You know what's funny? Because uh, one thing that we have in common, I was eleven years old too when I found out or when I figured out that I wanted to be nice. a DJ. I was nice. eleven years old. Saw my brother DJ, and I guess what attracted me is when I saw the way he controlled the crowd. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how he would play certain songs at the right time and the crowd would fucking erupt. Nice. Yeah. You know, and it's like you cannot be, it's almost like he was in the zone, you know, at that moment. And uh, uh, there's only a few DJs that I believe that can do that. You know, uh, I know today DJing is, is differently, it's different. But back then, what the reason why I have a little bit more respect for DJs back then as far as DJ skills is many, many of them uh, songs were not done with drum machines. They were live drummers, yeah. whether it be Ohio Players or whether it be Prince or whatever. Yeah. So you actually had to ride the record, yeah. you know what I'm saying? And good DJs kept the, the, the 
the dance floor packed. Yeah. You know. So uh, the around what age would you say that you guys got your first equipment? Oh, that was uh, what when we got the teen when we were at the teen nightclub. Yeah, it was eighty four. Yeah, eighty four. Huh? Yeah, okay. he started DJing before me. Oh, really? Um, so okay. the story was uh, we had a teen nightclub that my my dad and my brother had started. Um, my brother used to uh, party a lot, so. Okay. Um, in order for him to stay out of trouble, they would allow him to have house parties at our house. So we, they'd hire a DJ, bring in a bunch of, you know, neighbor, uh, teenagers to come party at the house. So he would be at home. So nothing would happen to him. And, um, eventually they started the teen nightclub and then they hired Moses A and he was the, the house DJ. Mm-hmm. And then, um, a little later. You know, on Fridays and Saturdays, we'd have to go clean up from the night before or, okay. or the night after, you know, whatever. And uh, he found out Nick was playing with the equipment. And mm. so he started having conversations with my dad. Like, hey, your son's messing with the equipment. It's not it's not a toys. It's expensive, blah, blah, blah. Happened about three or four times. And then, you know, he started finding like ripped up extension cords that he would just like make because he'd take the power cord away from because he had a pigtail where you had to plug it in and twist right. it. So it was a special cord, but this fool over here spicing no electrical, you know, no 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 electrical uh, knowledge knowledge of anything, <laughs> just sticking the stuff up there could blow up all his shit basically. Right. And uh, he found out about it. He's like, "Hey, he can't be doing this." I was you wondering gotta... why his turntables were going backwards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you know, he got into it with my dad about it, and he's like, and I guess my dad at that point got fed up with it. And he's like, "You know what? I'm just gonna buy him equipment, and he's gonna be the DJ." That was it. Oh. And that threw him into becoming the DJ. Now, now, well, uh, what kind of turntables did you have? What kind of mixer? Bro, come on. The first turntables were a Radio Shack. Right. And then I tried to mix on those, and I took them home. Mixer, two turntables, they're belt drive. And I was like, no, this is not working. <laughs> it's not the on? same. <laughs> and then somebody told us, it was like, you have to get the, the, the SL, 12, you got to get the, the 1200s. 1200s. Yeah. The techniques, those are the ones. Yeah. And so we're like, where did we get those? Los Angeles. So where do we go? Exodus Records. Exodus Records was our first trip. And we bought turntables, bow speakers, $300 worth of high energy disco records, 1984. 1984. Think about that time in that era yeah. and all that music that was popping off of the Euro disco and high energy stuff. DJ 007 just like started picking out records and just boom, take this, boom, take this, boom, take this. And we took all those records down to Bakersfield and I started becoming a DJ at the Teenage Nightclub. Wow. Wow. And, and soon after that, did you learn from him or did you learn it around the same time? Or? <laughs> um, you would think if you ask somebody, not only somebody you know, but your brother to help you. Okay. I asked him to help me. I want to learn. He's like, no, I'm not going to teach you. And he was younger. Obviously, he's still younger than me, but he wouldn't teach me. He, would, he refused to teach me. So I taught myself. I taught myself how to DJ. I uh-huh. literally taught myself how to DJ. And it wasn't until uh, Sid Perry, uh, another Bakersfield DJ, um, actually showed us the right, the correct way to mix. Because there's you can mix on beat, right. but there's a way. Like if a, start, a record starts on the one, there's a different timing. So if it starts with a snare, a snare it's like boom, bam, that's the one. Right. You know what I mean? So he was showing, okay, you're mixing right, but it's not on the right beat. Right. It's on beat, but it's not in time, right? per se. So he's the one that shot, uh, taught me that little trick and how to where to start the records. And Sid mm-hmm. was also the one who brought the tapes from Los Angeles yeah. for K-Day in okay. 1986. 
Oh. So fast forward from 84 to 86, Sid Perry started coming around the nightclub and he was a DJ as well. And he had records that we never heard before in our life. So he turned us on to Ready for the World, uh, well, Clear R9 and all that stuff we heard on, on K-Day, but we yeah. didn't have the records. Stevie B, Part of Your Body, he was in a record pool and he had fucking a wall full of records and he would invite us over to come over and he would play all these records we never heard in our life. He's um, like, y'all got to get in a record pool. Yeah. So we joined the the pros the pros in Oakland. From Oakland. That was our oh, first record pool. That was our pool. first record pool. You know, I, 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 to this day, I've never joined a record pool. I've never, and I'm going to tell you why, because it, it's it's kind of weird it, that I would ask friends, how do I get in a record pool? And believe it or not, a lot of them wouldn't tell me. Wow. Like me, Eric B, see? The hater, dude. <laughs> like a hater. There it is there. And they would never <laughs> tell me. But Steve Yano was yeah. my guy. You know, he would just tell me, tell me whatever you want. You know, and then I would watch like either BET or MTV or whatever, and I would call him. Look, listen to this song. I got too old. So, yeah. But you know what? Uh, uh, may rest in peace. But he is the one that uh, got me everything, That's everything. Dope. And then when uh, let's just say I didn't want to wait till Saturday or Sunday, I just drive down the street to a VIP Records. Nice, you know, nice. And that's pretty much where I would get all, all my all my records. So now let me ask you a DJ question: uh, Did you learn how to scratch first or blend first? Ha. Uh, blend. Blend first. Blend first. Okay. Uh, me trying to scratch before I had turntables, when I heard probably Grandmaster Flash in that Furious 5, that Mega Mix or something, or Z, there was some Z Mix or something, and they were scratching on there. Z Rock. Z Rock. Yeah. And we, I heard that record, and I was like, fuck, how, did they, how are they doing that? And so on our belt drive uh, at home, we had one turntable. <laughs> I would take the needle and I would on the record I would go tick -a -tick -a -tick -a -tick -a -tick and it was not the sound and I fucked up a lot of records and I'm sure I got in trouble for it right. like what happened to these records right right but that was me trying to scratch wow well I'll tell you what uh, at my house we had a cassette player so I would play it and my brother would always tell, call it blend you know make mm. sure you learn how to blend first yeah so uh he would play a record and then i would r write it at the same time nice. and he would tell me it's go it's going slow it's going speed it up speed it up <laughs> so he taught me how to write it that's okay awesome. so that's how i started with, with that and then scratching uh was when i heard uh grandmaster flash mm. on the wheels of steel yeah and i remember it's a it's a and then yeah. yes and then good 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 so I learned emulating that. Yeah. And then I told the story when uh, Calvin Anderson was here, the owner of VIP Records. Uh, the first DJ that I ever saw scratch live in person was his brother, a guy named King Tim. Very, very good, dope, cutting. He was real clean. And then the second, no, the third person that I saw in person was uh, Joe Cooley. Ooh. I was about 15 years old. And Damn. that guy, I'm going to be very careful. Crazy. Yes. Yes, Joe he rocked Coley's my dope. world Man. in a DJ sense. Yeah, yeah thank you. <laughs> yeah. You can't just say Joe Coley rocked my world. <laughs> you can't just say that. <laughs> yes, yes. So, so now let me ask you guys: uh, Did you guys ever mobile DJ? Yeah, yeah, Fuck yeah. Okay. yeah. We did that um, after the nightclub. Um, we had some problems with the landlord or whatever. They wanted to take it back from us. There was some legal battle. Uh, we ended up having to move out of there. But in between that and the next place that that opened. Um, we were doing mobile gigs, so we would throw parties, uh, we, we would throw events, so we had had, um, we promoted concerts, we had like Cypress Hill, we had Stevie B, we had Egyptian Lover, The Dream Team, uh, wow. uh, Connie, Connie uh, Whistle, Flock of Seagulls, Dougie Fresh maybe, uh, Trans X, yeah. um, so we would hire people, Expose, 
um, you know, we would throw all these events in Bakersfield. Uh, oh. Our family would, mm-hmm. and so we were we were mobile. Yeah, I want to give props to my mom because even when the the club ended and there was no stable place for us to be, she would hustle and rent out the Harvest Hall mm-hmm. at the Kern County Fairgrounds or the yeah. the Boys Club, the Boys and Girls Club on 19th Street in Bakersfield, or even the winery in Delano. Yeah. Um, we would rent out these halls and we would you know create parties and we would ditch school and go pass out flyers in the area that we were doing the party. That's so dope, man. That's so dope. Uh, you know, you take me back when you say pass out flyers because today I'll just post it on social media. Yeah. You know, and when back then you were like, yeah, we're going to go. Hand to hand. Now, now, I was asking your brother earlier, did you guys, when you guys would go DJ, whether it be at a hall, a wedding, a quinceanera, a regular backyard party, did you guys ever get into any hostility? Anybody's like, hey, oh, you got to play that fucking song. Bro, you know, man, I have one bad story. I told you. I told one you. One bad story, bro. The fucking... I wanted the Oki off of Cottonwood, bro, in Bakersfield. That was the name of the hood. Uh-huh. And I used to play wherever I could play. I didn't care where it was. If I had a gig, 60 bucks, 100 bucks, whatever. I had speakers. I had turntables. Eric V would never go with me. Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. <laughs> still the same. So I got this one gig, last minute gig, birthday party in Oki. And I'm like, cool, no problem. 1991, La, La Raza just came out. Okay. Big, big, awesome, huge record for La Raza and just in general for hip hop. So I played it. Obviously, it's a big record. Everybody gigging, gigging, played it again, gigging, gigging, loving it, right? Keep on going, keep on playing. And this one guy comes up to me and says, hey, bro, play La Raza again. I'm like, cool, I just played it twice. Give me some time. He comes back and he comes closer to me. He's like, bro play La Raza again. And he fucking sticks a gun in wow. my side right there. I'm like, okay, well, I'll be right back. I'll be right back. <laughs> boom, 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 <laughs> boom, boom. Bro. And I got dropped off because, you know, I didn't have a car. I was just a kid, 16 maybe, in the hood, just, just trying to make some money. I got dropped. I had a guy pick up, pick me up with turntables and speakers, drop me off, and he'd come back later and pick me up. So I was by myself. So, wow. yeah, there was one, one thing right there. Uh, I shared this story on, on another um, interview that I did. I think my worst one, I won't mention the city because I don't want those guys getting mad. But uh, Damn it. I just yeah. fucked up, huh? No, no, no. It's all, good. <laughs> <laughs> all good, brother. So let's just say it's off the 22 freeway. No more okay. needs to be said. <laughs> and uh, I want to say it was 1988. And uh, one guy just got out of jail for like doing 20 years. It was a veterano dude. And... Uh, it was so weird because I saw nothing but dudes there. So I'm thinking, okay, are we going to DJ for like dudes there? Yeah. And my boy had big serving Vegas. He had, he had probably had one of the biggest mobile DJ sound systems ever. The, his name was Derek, may rest in peace. He, he had groups called Split Image. So he would always take me to go DJ for him. Yeah. Like he was the only DJ that ever had a beat counter. Mm, BPM you know? counter. Yeah, dude, but like, he was so good at that. But obviously if you take that away, you know, he didn't know what the fuck to do. <laughs> so what happened was we go and he goes, hey, uh, uh, we're getting paid 500 bucks. And he used to charge a lot back then. Uh, so this guy comes up to me, big ass fucking arms, Mexican dude. And there's nothing but dudes there. And he goes, hey, man, he goes, play war. And I was like, war? I was like, dude, I got everybody dancing. I was playing, I think I was playing Rumors was out at the time. He goes, play war or else. And I was like, I don't know that song. Yeah. <laughs> or, or else. You guys know the song yeah, or else? Yeah. <laughs> so... I was like, okay, okay, cool, bro. So I'm not thinking. I told my boy Derek, hey man, these motherfuckers are 
crazy, bro. Yeah. I said, you want me to play Warrior? He goes, fuck it, play it. He goes, do me a favor. He goes, just when you play it, announce it and tell them it's on him. Right. You know, so they don't get mad. Whoa. So I said, all right. So I grabbed the fucking mic. I said, what's your name? They call me Toker. Sad and up. I was like, hey, uh, this is a Toker special request and blah, blah, blah. And I played it. Okay. I played, uh, don't let no one get you down. You know, it starts off with the. Yeah. So it was quiet for a long time. Then my boy Terry goes, here's what we do. I already got paid. Blast that shit. He said, as soon as the drums kick in, he goes, and then uh, they'll start dancing. Okay, cool. When he started dancing, it was dude on dude dancing together. Okay. Whoa. And I was like, okay, wrong kind of party. But I just turned that motherfucker up oh. even a little bit louder. And they were loving it. The cops came. Uh, and that's why we did it. Yeah. Yeah. So when the cops came in, he goes, hey, I t- turn it off. And I go, do me a favor. Please stay here until we pack up our shit. Yeah. Like, well, this guy right here pulled the gun out on me. I just fucking lied. Mm-hmm. But that's how we were. So every time you hear that song, you're like, <laughs> turn it down. Turn it way down. Yeah. Skip that shit. Memories Dude. of Toker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tony and Toker? <laughs> Oh, it's starting to get good. Yeah. I think your story beat my story, Holmes. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Only one time, dude. You know, and, and believe me, I don't say this braggingly. I, I do not. I say it shamefully. Only one time I had to pull a gun out on the dude, man. Uh, we used to put a nine millimeter on the left side of the turntable. And this one dude was was doing what he did to you. He pretty much, hey man, play this fucking I think he wanted to hear like lime, you mm. know, the disco yeah. shit. And I was like, dude. I can't play it right now. Just just hold on. And he came back. And this motherfucker came back. I said, play it. And I said, hold on. And he fucking spit in my face. Oh, Yeah, dude. And I just said, you know what? Fuck this. And I lifted up, pulled the gun on that motherfucker. Good thing is that my boy took the clip out. So the clip wasn't in there. Right, it was good, on good. the other turn. That's all you needed to see is the gun. Yeah, dude. But that was one of the worst times. After that, I was like, you know, I need to slow down on this shit. Yeah. So. Bro. Damn, so Lime and War. And War. Damn. Yes. Uh, uh, I think the Lime song was uh, uh, You're you're My Magician. Oh, I see. Yeah. That's, a, that's a deep cut. Yeah, <laughs> it, is. it is. It is. And me being the wizard. Yeah. So, now, so, so, so now, you know what? Now, before the name Baker Boys, did you guys have your own separate yeah, DJ names? Yeah, we had a few. Yeah, we had a couple. Uh, what was what was yours? I'm DJ Slick. Yeah, I was, was Sly, like, and then Sydney was Wicked. So Sly, Slick, and Wicked. Yeah, oh, that was back in the day. And then we also went to uh, ENV Productions, which is Eric and Nick Vidal. Okay. Um, and then Baker Boys came from uh, ALT, ALT, MC ALT, who was um, hooked up with Tony G through mm-hmm. Kid Frost. Okay. He he wrote a lot of songs for a lot of people. And we would stay, when we were in Bakersfield, we'd travel to L.A. to, pr- to come out here to produce. We would stay at his crib. And hmm. so when we walked into his house one day, they're drinking at the at their table. Playing whatever, cards, listening to cards. boys. And, um, you know, every time he would call our house in Bakersfield, you know, our mom would be like, oh, the boys ain't here, the boys, blah, blah, blah. It was always the boys. So when we went to his house... He's like, we walked in. He's like, hey, guys, it's the Baker Boys. And that was it. And we just looked at each other. I was like, okay, we're going to take that name. Wow. Well, he said Baker Boys. Yeah, it was that Baker. Was the, it was Baker Boys first. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was the original thing. After EMV Productions was Baker Boys. Okay. Yeah. Now, now how soon uh, did, well, you guys started, um, let me ask this question. You guys were DJing, uh, throwing parties, throwing uh, events. What led to the radio personalities that you guys are now today? Like, what made you say, you know, let's let's go talk to this radio station? How did that come about? Well, during the time of our um, the uh, teenage nightclub, my father used to buy commercial time on an AM radio station, thirteen K. So he had relationships with the sales manager and with the, the owner. owner. Yeah. 
Okay. Uh, Alex Klein and Kevin. Uh, Kevin Rush. Kevin Rush was a sales guy. So um, at that time, they had already switched formats to con- uh, rock and roll. It was it was classic rock. Classic rock. It was nineteen eighty eight. It was classic rock radio, and my father used his relationships to walk us into the station and say, "Hey, my boys want to be on the radio. They want to do a mix show." And Alex said, "If we sell the commercial time for Friday and Saturday nights." You guys can have those time slots from seven to midnight. Yeah, five hours Friday and Saturday night. We had to pay to be on the air. We had to pay to be on the air. So we had to pay to be on the air. So I had already quit high school at that point. Really? Uh, I I was in eleventh grade and I was like, I'm not going back to this. There's nothing. I'm not learning anything from this. I'm not getting anything. I already know what I want to do. Uh, I was already set on a path as far as DJing and doing wanting to do production or whatever. So I was like, you you're not going to teach me any of that. So I'm just going to stay that doing this. And so while Nick was at school, I'd be out trying to hustle, trying to sell advertising to random ass places I thought would make sense. A stereo car shop, a rim shop. But uh, dad had a relationship at Budweiser. Yeah. Joe Cornejo. Yeah. So he had a relationship at Budweiser and they had, he's like, well, I could buy time, but I can't promote alcohol. But we have New York Seltzer. So they would give mm. us like $500 a month to just help us pay for our time to be on the air. Wow. So it was $75 a week to be on the air over there. In, oh. in Bakersfield, so we started a show on um, on a Friday and Saturday called Club Play, mm. uh, and that's what it was. We would mix for five hours. We'd have to take all our records. This was before, obviously, Serato. So our records, turntables, mixer, everything we had to set and up. This was live, mm-hmm. all live, and um, so we were on Friday and Saturday from seven to midnight, and for uh, the summer of '88. For the summer, and wow. the it started affecting the ra- regular FM radio stations there. Meaning in Bakersfield, there's a, a strip called Chester Avenue where everybody cruised. Okay. All the stations were listening to us on Friday and Saturday night. So wow. everybody all was listening. All the cars. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, all the all the cars were listening to us on the weekends because we were playing. I mean, we were playing two live crew, two live crew, Stevie B, Trainer, Stevie B, Jazzy Jeff, Fresh Prince, EPMD. The first time I heard EPMD, uh, you got to chill was on our show. Cause I got in a fight with Nick and I was driving home and I was listening and he played the EPMD. You got to chill. I was like, this shit is dope. <laughs> this? You know, did you come back to the station? Nope. <laughs> so we, we used to get in a lot of fights younger when we were younger. Really? Yeah. It, it, ever any? No, uh, no, almost one time, almost okay. one time, but that, yeah. You know, it's funny. I have five brothers, but I never once like threw blows. You know, we used to, when we used to go at each other, we used to pretty much wrestle, get each other in the headlock, yeah, and yeah. not let each other go, mm-hmm. pull each other's hair and stuff. But yeah, but now you, you know, um, how long did you guys do that uh, before you guys realized you guys had a fucking fan base, man? We just did it that summer. After okay. um, after that summer, he flipped the format to country. So it just, I mean, not that it made sense because it was already classic rock, but country to hip-hop it was just a it was a stretch wow. so he switched the format and so we were kind of out of a situation there mm-hmm. but yeah now let me ask you guys a dj question when it came to scratching would you say that uh you guys were naturals or did you guys eventually just get good at it i i was never good at scratching that wasn't one of my strong points my strong points was more blending um selection transition transitions uh, fundamentals you know really okay. fundamental being very clean um, that was something that I always, still to this day, it's like, you know, we do a syndicated show that's been running 20 years and I'll listen to every transition and make sure they're right. If they're not right, I'll nudge it, fix it, whatever I got to do to make it right. Because 
literally we're taking some a local DJ's job and you have to be um, cognizant of that, that you're actually taking somebody's job. So you have to make sure that you are, you know, on point with your shit. Yeah. Right. You know, and I've I've even got on him a couple of times. If I hear something, if I hear a mix that he did, oh, hey man, you need to you need to fix this. Right. You know, and vice versa. We we we're honest enough with each other to check each other on things. Right. You know, know a, a lot of people when they would see me scratch back in the day, they always thought, oh, you're so dope. But I'll I'll be honest with everybody. I said, dude, it took me a long time to get good, bro. Yeah. I don't think I was one of those guys that picked up the needle and then I just was just a natural. I don't think anybody you know? is. You have to you have to work at it, man. Yeah. It's it's not natural. You know, I would I remember being in high school, you know, and all I was doing was just like air scratching with my hands, always constantly just moving my hands. Cause it was like that was my lifestyle. Right. So right. and then having scratch sessions and uh, sessions with Chuck, Mr. Chuck and C minus and my brother Eric. I mean, we would just pile up in a room and just for hours, hours and just go back and forth, scratch, practice, speed it up to 45, see how fast we can go. Yeah. Wow. And then we go play uh, Street Fighter at 7-Eleven <laughs> afterwards, eat nachos and play Street Fighter. So, so you, you know, it's funny when you said that everything's got to be on point, every mix, possibly every scratch, every transition, you know, when uh, I still look back, I think it was like 1988, I did a mixtape uh, for Steve and uh, I mixed stylistics uh, on on top of uh, Biz Markey, Mythic Music with your mouth Biz. Mm -hmm. And then I remember uh, uh, when I was writing it, Steve tells me in his voice, hey man, that sounds kind of fucking off. That's what he tells me. And I was like, it's <laughs> not off, yeah. you know? And believe it or not, I was just so tired that day of mixing that I was just like, it's good. Just turn up the bass on, make the music with your mouth and it'll cover it. Yeah. That's what I said. Yeah. And I'm going to be 52 years old and that shit still irks me because I never corrected it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Bro, you hold on to way too much. I know. I know. We got to get you some therapy, homie. Yes. We yes. got to align your chakras. <laughs> got to get you some meditation. Uh, where's the incense at, man? Right here. I'll go get them on commercial break. All right. As a matter of fact, we're going to go ahead and press pause right there. We're going to take a 10 minute break. We're going to come back. I'll probably go give me a modelo. Okay. So, okay. Okay. Everybody. Uh, once again, everybody, uh, call somebody, text somebody, page somebody, slap the shit out of somebody, let them know that the Baker Boys are in the motherfucking building. We'll be back in 10 minutes. So go get yourself a modelo. Wash your hands. Wash that ass. Don't be buying up all the damn toilet paper, okay? Mm -hmm. 10 minutes. We'll be back. Baker Boys are in the building. Welcome back, everybody, to Rodeo Radio episode 43, and I want to thank everybody for tuning in, but you know what? I'm not going to bullshit, so let me just go ahead and jump right back into it. Uh, I have the Baker Boys in the building. Thank you guys once again for coming. I truly appreciate uh, you guys being here and allowing me, uh, not only uh, do I consider you guys friends, but also a fan of the body of work that you guys have done. Thank you. Um, I know that you guys, not only DJs, radio personalities, also producers. Now... How soon after DJing did you guys started to dabble in production and who was first? Um, back in Bakersfield, like I said, when we lost our, you know, our gig at that AM radio station, we, I went to get, try to get on the FM station. They denied us. They were like, no, hmm. no, no. Because back in the day, their mind frame was like, did you go to broadcast school? Yes. Do you have a license? All this stuff. And we were self-taught. We've always been self-taught pretty much for, for mostly everything we've learned. And um, they denied it. And I got this idea in my mind of producing music. 
like, okay, they don't want us on the radio, so we're going to make music. So they have to play us on the radio. Hmm. So that was the mind frame. So I worked a, a summer in Bakersfield with my dad in construction, and I freaking hated it. But <laughs> I, I hated it. I quickly learned I do not want I'm not an outdoor cat. Soft hands. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. I like to be indoor. I don't want to be in the heat. I don't want to be, like, stressing and, you know. Uh, so I saved enough money. I worked that summer to save enough money to buy our first SP-1200. Wow. And so with the SP-1200, allowed us to start producing. Take it up. Oh, I yeah. love the SP-1200, by oh, the yeah, way. Still, you know, forever. So we started producing uh, music, and it took us a little while to figure it out uh, through the help of Tony G, who was the one who initially uh, inspired us to buy the SP-1200. He said, you guys start, We I think we bought an Alesis drum machine first. Yeah. We bought a, a W30. A way, yeah, it was like, no, 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 you got to get an SP-1200. We wind up getting that. We made a bunch of beats, and we took a trip up to uh, El Monte to go see Tony G at Spin. What was his name? Of his, uh, his, uh, Damn, I can't remember the name of the record store. I know what you're saying. Yeah, so we had a record store, and we took our SP-1200 up there, and we plugged it in, and we started playing some beats. He's like, oh, you guys got a couple things here. I'm working with this guy named Kid Frost. He just got signed to Virgin. Uh, Virgin Records, and if you, you you might I might be able to get you guys a track. So we turned in one of the tracks. He liked it. He introduced us to Tootie. We made uh, straight to the bank, straight straight to the straight bank. to the bank. Uh, Hispanic Cosmic Panic and hold your own, hold your own. We did three tracks on Frost's first, first album. album. Wow. So um, Tony really opened the door for us for that for that production. Um, you know, we were working with a local rapper in, in Bakersfield, and here's a, here's the thing we, we kind of uh, went through younger as producers. Like, you know, you have a beat, but you give it to somebody, and then somebody else wants it. So we 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 came into that point where we were working with this guy, and he was like, he had did something over this record straight to the bank that we ended up doing with with Frost, and was like, well, he's got a deal, and you know, he he's going to put it out on a major record. We got to take it to him. him we got to give wow. it to him but we told him as well you know that that was happening and um uh, shortly after that we started working with you know we did a song with mellow mayonnaise that opened all the doors to all the latin rappers so alt we actually helped alt get a record deal wow. uh, he got a record deal through east west records um and he wrote a lot of stuff for frost and a lot of the other rappers from mellow and all that whole camp okay. and then that led us to you know the first time we heard like cypress hill we were wow. outside of Mello's house and they were playing and we were like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> like, we just heard, it just blew our mind. Yeah. And we took it back to Bakersfield and there were people like, this is trash, this is trash, this is, this. okay, okay. Two months later, that shit's all over, MTV raps, all over everything, blowing up like crazy. So we've had an ear for music for a very long time. You know, Nick's very passionate about a lot of artists and if he believes in it, he's going to He's gonna hammer it away till that shit breaks. Okay. Um, so I, I trust, uh, you know, I trust his 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 feeling and his gut about that stuff. You know, a lot of people he told me about years, three four years ago, like Anderson Pack. He told me about he told me about the weekend, Janae Aiko, um, countless people that he's just yeah. he believes in and he'll sell it. Wow. You, you know, now let me ask you an interesting question. When you guys got the SB twelve hundreds. Who was the first one to turn it on and start fucking around with it? Or was it both of you guys? Probably Eric. I mean, he's the one who bought it, you know. So, okay. so did, did, would he ever say, yeah, you know, add that little part right there or, or, you know, do this. The reason why I asked that is because I tried working with another producer, like trying to do a little group. Yeah. But I always wanted to be on the fucking drum machine and he always wanted to be on the drum machine. So it was never like, I was like, okay, dude, you, you took too much of that 
truncated that shit too much. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Eric used to do his own beats on his own time, and a lot of those beats wound up on projects. Okay. Uh, Back from the Dead, that was all Eric V produced that. Oh, um, no, that's House of Pain. House of Pain, okay. House of Pain's second album. Uh, the one thing that we did collab on was Pistol Grip Punk. And um, it was because um, we didn't want to do the beat, number one. It was a simple West Coast beat. They asked us for a West Coast anthem. And we were very into the Cypress Hill sound, the East Coast mm -hmm. rap sound, the samples, right. the eerie shit. And uh, Adrian Miller, like, he forced me to make a beat for, for Volume 10. And it was Pistol Grip Pump. So I did as much as I could do. And we were living in Los Angeles at this time. Uh, we had just got our publishing deal. So we both had SP-1200s, one in his room, one in my room. Wow. And um, I sampled uh, Pay Your Dues. And I made a simple West Coast beat. And I did all I could to it. And then I handed Eric V the disc. And I said, I I'm done. I can't do anything else. Yeah, his was basically, it was just the beat, the... The basic that, beat. And... The, the bait that kicks us there. That's that's what he did. So I added the uh, the little cameo or that. Mm -hmm. I added the guitar from um, Cool in the Gang. Yeah, Cool in the Gang. Then then I added that, and I added the stuff in the hook. The um, pistol packing. little little pistol packing, pistol packing, pistol packing. <laughs> that came. That was a Beastie Boys, and then also uh, there was like a little 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 high pitch eerie sound in the in right. the hook, and then obviously. The baseline. Um, we didn't have keyboard or anything to create a baseline. We were scared so, of MIDI. We yeah, <laughs> yeah, MIDI wow. scared the shit out of us. So I was like, you know, I started sampling records and just messing with stuff. And I, I went to Digital Underground, the Humpty Dance. I was like, this baseline's crazy. Let me reverse it, and that was it. And I played it for him, and that was uh, that finished the record. So I'm good at like finishing stuff as far as like adding the extra elements. Like I've, I've considered myself like um, like ear candy. Like I'll hear stuff like he'll even today, like he'll play me production. I was like, oh, it needs this. Oh, it needs this. Oh, it needs that. I'm, I'm, I'm better at finishing than starting and finishing, you know. Well, you know what? I'm glad that you guys uh, shared about that song because to me, when it comes to West Coast beats, that has to be the top five, bro. Thank you. Thank you, man. I, I mean, 100. At, on break, I'm going to show you something that was going on here last night. I, I had my uh, 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 Kylo Ren uh, mask on. Oh, and, shit. And I was dancing to Pistol Grip. No way. Yes. Last Need night, that. I was jamming to that Dope. shit. Uh, uh, to me, that's one of my favorite beats right there. Bro. Nice. Thank so you. Thank when you. I found out that you guys did it, I was like, what the fuck? When did you find that out? I want to say maybe when I got the vinyl, oh, okay. like it was back then, obviously, but everybody was bumping that yeah. shit out. That motherfucker is hard. Yeah. I just didn't know who it was. You know, as a, as a DJ or producer, you, you right away look for credits. Right, right. So when I was like, what the fuck? It was them? The Mega <laughs> Baker Boys. Yes, dude. And then I found like, if I'm correct, you guys did uh, uh, Boulevard, if I'm correct? Yeah. Uh, Boulevard Nights. Boulevard yeah. Nights for, for Mellow. Mellow Nights. Mm -hmm. yeah. Co-produced uh, with uh, Julio G. Yeah, I think Julio so. Julio G brought us the sample. Then a sequence. Yeah. yeah. You know, it, it, I love the story that you guys said. You guys came to Tony G and he said, you know, Frost is doing this. Because with me, it was a total opposite. I would ask dudes, like, hey, man, do you guys need any beats or anything? No, 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 we got it. We got it. Everywhere I went, no, mm -hmm. no, 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 we got it. We got it. You know. Well, what it, did that do? That forced you to do your own shit, right? Yes. Yes, it did. And it, it literally forced me to become a producer because... Uh, I usually tell people that I just, I was happy just being a DJ. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't 
ever really considered myself a real producer. I consider myself more of a mixtape four track guy. And if I can do that and put it on the SP 1200 and I got a record deal, then I was cool with that. You know what I'm saying? But uh, to try to do like some R&B shit or like some rock shit or whatever, I tried, but I, I was more comfortable doing a mixtape, doing the DJ stuff yeah, like yeah. that, you know. But to be able to hear the body of work that you guys have done, especially especially people that may not know, uh, um, you guys produce Neighborhood Queen mm -hmm. for JB. Mm. Yeah, I actually seen somebody talking about in the chat earlier. It's like they used their own beat for Neighborhood Queen. Yeah, yes, sure. we did. We used the same same <laughs> we, drums. We changed a couple of things, but yeah. yeah. But we use. I mean, if the if if it the if formula, it worked, yeah. it worked. It worked. It worked. And there was multiple people after that 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 took our beat as well, from Mac Ten to Rage Against the Machine. Rage Against the Machine, who redid Pistol Grip Pump. That was an honor when we found out about that. Well, that and, was crazy. And also, uh, is there's a um, fraternity, um, uh, Alpha Phi Alpha. I, I, I'm fucking up, but they do their step routines oh. in Texas to Pistol Grip Pump. <laughs> for years, for years, for years, that's like the theme song for them doing their step shows all over the country for this particular fraternity. So shout them out. I fucked up their name, I'm sure, but <laughs> well, well, yeah, I'm sure they'll forgive you, brother. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, uh, um, is there? Because uh, I work with artists that pay me, and once I would hear them rap, then their attitude. Was there anybody that you work with that you were like? I don't want to fucking work with that dude anymore, man. Yeah, I, I say it, and I've, I've told this to Nick. Nick's tried me, tried to get me to work with him for so many years. It was Volume Ten, um, just because he's difficult. He's extremely yeah. difficult, and and a lot of artists are. They don't want to listen. They they have their own mind frame, and I get it. I get it. But I'm trying to tell you what needs to be done to make it right. Um, right. Pistol Grip Pump was a demo. That actual record that came out mm -hmm. was a demo that we did at Power 106 in the production room, uh, you know, the voice of Power 106, yeah. Eric Edwards. So we did it on a one inch reel, a 16 track one inch reel. And we did the vocals there at Power. And he was never able to recreate those vocals when we actually went to the real studio. So we used those vocals and they just mixed that. Wow. They mixed that one inch track that we did. Um, they linked but, it up. But he just, he wouldn't listen. He wouldn't listen. And I was like, I can't work with him. Like, I, I just can't yeah. just because he's not listening to me. Yeah. Like, he smoked too much weed. He couldn't finish his, like, we had a punch rest. every two or four bars. It was like, punch, <clears> punch, <throat> punch. I'm like, bro, you need to stop smoking the weed. Like, you need, like, this is your livelihood. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, how, you know. I know. So, Treat it as such. Yeah. So, you know, years later, Nick wanted, you know, hey, we're going to work fine. I'm not, not going to do it, bro. I'm not going to frustrate myself because he won't listen. Yeah, I won't mention this guy's name, but I remember one time I said, I, I, I said, dude, I said, you've been hitting the fucking bong the whole fucking day. It's time to do your fucking lyrics, bro. Come on, man. And then he got real upset. He goes, he goes, who in the fuck's the rapper? That's what he said. And I said, yeah, show me the rapper. Yeah. Where is he? Oh, you no. tell me. Dude. And, and then I was like, dude, are you going to do it or what? He goes, don't fucking tell me. And I go, let me tell you something, bro. And then it just got hostile. I said, look, lower your motherfucking voice. And then we got in each other's face. He ended up doing his lyrics, but I ended up telling Steve, you know what, fuck this dude. I'm done, I'm out of here. Do whatever the fuck you want. Just make sure you fucking pay me. Have anybody mix it, I don't give a fuck. Like, I work with a lot of guys like that because they were like, I'm the rapper, cater to me. I'll come whenever the fuck I want. Bro. I'll get high or drunk as much as I want. Yeah. And I'll bring my whole entourage if I want. Yeah. You know, and I was just like, I can't do it no more. 
So now my next question for you guys was this. Now you guys are Bakersfield. How did that happen to get hiring at Power 106? Maybe you take this, please. Okay, uh, so we're in Los Angeles. We're uh, in the studio with probably Yo-Yo or somebody like that. We're working on her album, and our studio session gets canceled. Two boys, we don't live in Los Angeles. What the fuck are we going to do? So we started making phone calls to our record label folks and trying to see if we can go hang out. That's what we used to do. We used to just bombard record labels and just hang out and say, hey, can we hang out for a little bit? So one of the guys, um, Bruce Reiner yeah. from Profile Records, picks up our phone call and says, come on over. So we go hang out with him on Sunset Profile Records and we're there like five o'clock and he gets off uh, around five o'clock. He's like, hey, you want to go to dinner with us? And sure, uh, who's us? We don't know <laughs> so he's like all right let's go we get into our van we had a chrysler minivan blue with a booming sound system grandma loved it and uh we go to pick up one of his friends it happens to be harold austin who is the brand new pro um, assistant music director music director for the beat here in los angeles and um and then we're going to meet his other friend at a restaurant on melrose so we get to the restaurant and uh harold dawson bruce reiner and baker boys and then uh, morales from power 106 shows up okay so we're at antonio's on melrose we're singing we're drinking i'm drinking everybody doesn't drink yeah don't. and uh we're singing la bamba having a time of our lives we have power 106 and we have the beat, the beat harold dawson two biggest stations in l.a two biggest stations in LA and um, we're having a great time and I slammed my drink on the table or my hand and, my, and I was like, hey, Morales, by this time next year, I'm, we're going to be working at Power 106. And everybody started laughing. Everybody started like, what rolling. Like, crazy, wow, motherfucker, you drunk bastard. Wow. Yeah. Right? So uh, we finish, we pay and uh, Morales, we walk outside and there was a homeless guy on the street. I'm not, I'm, I'm ashamed of this, but he was asking for food and we were asking him for something. I was drunk. I'm like, hey, do you have anything like this? And Morales was like, you guys are fucking crazy, man. Um, we're starting a hip hop show on Friday nights uh, in on Power 106. You guys would be perfect for that. Can you give me a demo and we're like you're out of here crazy whatever so wow. we put the demo together um a couple weeks later he, he called us we were at i think at the gavin in san francisco, san francisco. they used to have a big con conference what, what year was that oh 92 92 had to be 90, there. had to be 92 or so yeah we have a picture with ll cool j from that way back in the day and so we give him the demo i left it in his room he invited us to his room so i gave him the the cassette and left it with him and he was drunk we don't even know if he, he was, was passed out yeah we i didn't even know if he had it or he just threw it away or whatever so a couple weeks later after that he calls us up on like a tuesday he's like hey man uh rick wants to meet with you guys uh the program director you know he, i guess he gave him the tape the demo and so we we went up to la or came up to la on a wednesday and we're sitting down with Rick and he's like, I listened to the demo, um, a couple things, you guys kind of talk a little fast and blah, blah, blah. That's always Nick because he, he just, he's just talking fast all the time. So he's like, if you can slow that down a little bit, blah, blah, blah. He starts giving us all this direction and he's like, oh, we, we got a show. We want to start this Friday night show at midnight. Uh, we don't have a name for it. We don't know anything. Um, you know, are you, are you guys interested? He's like, I don't know what it is. I'm listening to the cassette, but I don't. There's something there. My gut is telling me, my instinct is telling me I need to do this. And so he's like, can you guys do this show? I was like, yeah, yeah, we can do it. When do you want us to start? He's like, Friday, two days. Wow. So I was like, okay, well, where's your mix room? Mix room, talk about. Um, you got to turn in your, you got to turn in your mixes on real to real. I was like, oh no, we don't, we, we don't right. do real to real. We do live. 
He's like, well, what if it skips? It's a skips. It's not the end of the world. It's not going to kill you. You know what I mean? So he's like, okay, cool. And you want to do it live, you do it live. Because most of them, all the mixers there were pre-taped. Everybody recorded their mixes. Right. Um, and so we went into what they call the newsroom, which was basically where they did the traffic, the traffic news stories for the morning show and all that stuff. Um, it was a, a, a room with a bunch of reel-to-reels and a, one mic and a small little board and was like, okay, so we're going to convert this into a mix room. Um, we need this space over here. So we told, he, he set us up with the engineer, Tom Koza, um, and he's like, what do you need? I said, we need some RCAs, a quarter inch out, RCA, blah, 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 to hook up our stuff. So he set it up, he rigged it, set it up. And um, so after that meeting, we went back to Bakersfield and basically he gave us a bunch of um, wild tracks, wild tracks from New York, who's their hot 97, which is their uh, sister station. Okay. And so he gave us a bunch of just random, hey, it's hip hop Friday night, hip hop in LA, blah, 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 whatever. So we produced these intros from basically nothing. And on the SB 1200. Yeah, it was all wow. SB 1200. So all the production, all the intros that we did, the Baker Boys intros, Baker, right. Baker Boy, Baker, Baker Boys, in the morning. That was all SB 1200. Wow. All those intros came from that. And so, um, you know, we came back, uh, we set up our turntables, brought our our, our uh, records every Friday night. And we started that Friday Night Flavors, um, which actually the name came from a listener who called up. And he's, he's, we were asking for names. And well, there was a, a contest. Uh, Def Jam ran a contest and we were going to give away a Def Jam jacket. So anybody that can call in and leave a voicemail of what they think the hip hop show should be called on Friday nights. And one of the guys called up and he's like, uh, hip hop, no, what do you say? Flavor Fridays? Flavor Fridays. Flavor Fridays. And we're like, yo, that's dope. Let's call yeah. it Friday Night Flavors. Yeah. Dope. So now, now when you said you got turning your demo, what, like, like what, what would that demo consist of? Well, we were on the radio in Bakersfield at that time. We finally made it onto FM radio yeah. in Bakersfield in okay. 1991. Yeah, shout out to Steve Wall. Steve, Steve Wall, Wall gave okay. us our first job in Bakersfield. I was on tour with Lighter Shade of Brown, mm -hmm. DJing for them. Really? During the uh, Sunday afternoon hype, we brought them down to Bakersfield for a party that we created, that we threw. And uh, they saw me up there DJing. It's like, hey, you're pretty good. You want to come on tour with us? And so we went and did a couple shows and dates with them. We wound up back in Bakersfield at Bakersfield College performing with Lighter Shade of Brown. And there was a new program director in Bakersfield, Steve Wall. He was backstage. And my father, rest in soul, he was backstage and said, hey, those are my sons out there. They're DJs and they, they want to be on the radio. And so Steve Wall uh, said hi to Eric. Backstage. Yeah, and at that point I was so like scorned by like thinking we were going to get back on the radio. I was like, whatever, whatever. Fuck it, fuck it. I was like, I just you know I had already been like beaten horse, just already lost the race type of stuff. And he was like, here's my card, give me a call. I was like, yeah, right, okay, whatever. <laughs> you know, I was this that attitude. And so I finally ended 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 up calling him, and we had a meeting, and we told him what we want to do with the mix show, blah blah. He gave us a shot. And we we had like a forty eight share on Saturday nights. Saturday nights blew blew everybody out of the water. Wow. Uh, the competition, you know, all the ratings just went up, and so he put us on there. He's like, "You guys are doing great here. I want to offer you a different situation." Full time so, job. Full time job. He's like, "I want you guys to be the music directors, dual music directors." And so we were helping pick the music and all that stuff, and programming and and learning that side of the of the radio game. Um, and then like 
fast forward after that, we got into the production. We were still doing the production back and forth to LA. Oh, he offered us a full-time job to yeah. do nights at, in Bakersfield and we turned it down. We said no, because really? we didn't want it to stop our production as oh, well. Okay. You know, because we'd be, we'd be committed there every night. We'd have to be on every night. And we were right. like, no, no, no. And so that opportunity led to, you know, open that door okay. for, uh, for power. Now, when you guys were on power, first of all, let me say that I'm blown away by your guys' stories because I thought I, I pretty much knew the, <laughs> the meat of it, you know. Uh, but now, if you can remember, do you remember what year you were DJing for Light of Shade of Brown? Yeah, well, 91, 92. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, the reason why I ask is because one of our first shows uh, was uh, was with Light of Shade of Brown. I want to say it was Mesa, Arizona at a car show. Yeah. And uh, they went on and we went on. So, but I wonder if you were there that day. I don't think so. Okay. Uh, I think we did Utah with them. I know we did Magic Mountain with them, Bakersfield, of course. Uh, there was like only three or four dates yeah. uh, that okay. we did with them. Okay. And it's funny you say the Gavin because uh, I, as a matter of fact, I still have my badge. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm not a hoarder. I like scandalous. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, now, so now you guys are on uh, Friday nights. How soon? Well, how long were you guys Friday nights before you guys made the transition to the morning? Eight months. Eight months? Yeah. From the time we walked into the radio station to the time we went on to the morning show, it was eight months. Okay. So now, going to the morning show, uh, was there, como se dice en español, or in English, in español, se, se pusieron nervioso? Did you guys ever get nervous? Like, like fuck, this is, nah. the, this, is, this is the big one right here. Nah, we, had, we didn't know. We had no idea how big it was. Okay. We had no clue. And I think that was a, an advantage, but a disadvantage at the same time. It was an advantage because we weren't scared. We just figured, okay, we were doing radio in Bakersfield. We're doing radio here. It's the same. We're just doing at, yeah. at a different station. Right. You know, uh, the disadvantage is not knowing the business side of what other people doing a morning show in L.A. are making. You know, from Dees to Howard Stern Kevin to Kevin and Bean, who were all making multi-million dollars. We didn't know that. We're just like, oh, okay, they're just gonna put it in the morning. We'll, we'll get a bump in pay, and you know, they, they took advantage. And we were young, and okay. we didn't have enough. We didn't have the right counsel to help us, you know, okay. navigate that situation. Uh, uh, how old were you guys when you guys went to mornings? I I was I turned twenty one on the morning wow. show. I remember that. Wow. So it was before then. So we, we were probably on the mornings, but maybe two months before I turned twenty one, ninety four. Wow. Wow, uh, so so talented, man. Because you know, I have my son who's twenty years old. I have I have uh, like twenty nine, twenty five, twenty three, and twenty. Okay, and when I look at my tw my twenty year old, I still think he's a baby. Yeah. So you guys are still babies in yeah. your yeah. parents' eyes, and then now you guys are it, it, now you know before. Okay, there was Power One Hundred Six. Would you say, what was the, the biggest radio station in California? Was it, some people would say it was KMEL. Some people would say it was in California. Kiss FM always. I mean, I mean, as far as this, this format you're talking yes, about? Yes, yes. It was probably between KMEL and Power. Okay. I mean, KMEL was definitely groundbreaking. They they kind of... Uh, Led the way. They, they, they were a little more uh, aggressive than the normal radio station for commercial radio. Okay. So you would go out there and hear different stuff that you wouldn't hear on other stations. So they took more chances. Like okay. in 1988, when we were touring with uh, Stevie B, only a couple dates, we drove into San Francisco and Cameron Paul was paying, playing uh, Boogie Down Productions. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, this is this is 88, bro. Mm -hmm. And he's playing Boogie Down Productions on the radio right. and we just lost our yeah, mind. in the middle uh, of the day. 
Well, in the middle of the day. Tough. Now, the reason why I say it, because I look at my 20-year-old son, and, and for me to think, you're going to be on Power 106, like, damn, like, and then you guys didn't really realize how big it was like, no, at the time. we didn't have no idea. Uh, now, for me, how did you guys come up with that Sanford and Son intro? That was Nick B. Uh, well, back in Bakersfield, um, with Sanford and Son, number one, my brother Frank V, that was one of his favorite shows. He watched it all the time. I watched it with him. Um, and in Bakersfield, I had a, an idea of having a female singing a song over the Sanford and Son song. And I couldn't never find a female to sing it for me, uh, for us. And so I just wrote it ourselves, I wrote it myself, and it just started singing it ourselves. That was pretty much it. You know, uh, when I did an interview with you guys at Dash, yeah. and you guys did it, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, I was really, really humbled. And it was an emotional time for me because I would hear it all the time on the radio. Yeah. And then to hear it, you guys say it and say my name, it was an emotional time for me, man. It, it really, really was. And I'm saying awesome. I want to uh, thank you guys for uh, pretty much almost like making like a dream come true. You know what I'm saying? Thanks, man. So, so much love, much respect to you guys for that. Thank you. Uh, I now, told you we should sing the song that day. <laughs> <laughs> Nick didn't want to sing it, man. I, I always get weird about it because it's like, you know, it's just, it's so almost corny, you know what I mean? Yeah, but it's at, like... At it, this age in our lives, you know, but it's, it's like you said, it's it an emotional something. connection. Yes, it, it does. Something. So that's it, why we do it. Yeah. That's it, why we do it. And that's why I lives. reposted it several times Thank on my you. Instagram. Man, I love it. Um, now, my next... Now, the roll call. When did that start? <laughs> Roll Call started uh, when we moved. We were doing Friday Night Flavors. Uh -huh. Then they put us on overnights for a month to try us out. And he's like, okay, I want to put you guys on nights. You, you're you going to be going against this guy named Poor Man. He does this thing called Love Line. He's he's number one night show in L.A. For years. Period. You need to find something that can beat him. You know, wow. come up with a benchmark. So we uh, we were talking to our friend Adrian Miller, who, the same guy who helped us with Pistol Grip Pump, and he was like, you know, this guy in uh, St. Louis used to do this thing. It's like a rap back thing with 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 uh, kids that would call in. Uh, Doctor Funkenstein, I think the guy's name was. <laughs> and so he like he's like, what's the name of that Golden Rule? Blah blah blah, or whatever the school. It's like a, just a quick answer back. Who's that teacher with the Golden Rule? Mrs. Johnson. And Mrs. Johnson. So I was like, that's a dope idea. But we're gonna ex we're gonna expand on that. And so I was like, let's just use the one for the trouble, two for the time. Everybody knows that. It's the start of the old school rap records. Right. So it just went. It just, we it was like, okay, we're going to give you two bars. We're going to get two bars. So we did a demo of it uh, with Charlie Weddle, mm. who was on at Power at the time. White, straight white dude. And um, so we did the demo. It was like, we wrote the, Nick wrote the rap for him and everything. And we played it for Rick. And he was like, this might work. This, this might work. Wow. And, we, and we killed the poor man. We beat him. We wow. beat him. And Roll Call just went on a whole different thing. And then everybody started copying it everywhere. Yes. Nobody, I mean, they took it from us and gave it to Ed and Dre in, L, in uh, New York for yes. High 97 because that was a sister station. Nobody ever did it like us. I mean, even though there was somebody else who did it before us, we took that shit to another level. Yeah. You know, still today, people still remember that shit. Yes. And that that's why I tell people is like, even though we haven't been on the air in LA in so long, they still remember all the shit we did. Yes. And that is like amazing. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, uh, when did, this is Tito, this is Tito, this is, how, did you, how did that come about? <laughs> who, who made him first or, you know? 
Tito was the engineer. He was the, the building engineer, meaning he would come and, and make sure everything was correct in all of the offices at, uh, at Power 106 building. So he would go from floor to floor and make sure the trash was taken out, make sure everything was in line. And he would come in the morning show uh, and talk to us and say, what's up, and pick out the trash. And he was just so much fun. He had good energy. And Eric V said one day, hey, man, let's put him on the radio. I'm like, what? What do you mean? He's like, let's just put him on the radio. That's the kind of freedom that we had at Power 106. Yeah. If we felt that we something had to, wanted to be do wanted to be done, we just did it. And we, you know, we didn't have to ask for permission or, or anything. We just did it. And that's why things were so magical because it was natural. Yeah. We put him on the air and the rest is history. Yeah, that just opened up a whole thing. And, you know, he would come in every morning to get our trash. So why not put him on the air? Yeah, we would talk to, to him anyway. And, you know, you'd always say he was a Raiders fan. And I would say Raiders suck. You know, just <laughs> right, we'd right. mess with him. We would mess with Tito. And then, you know, when they moved us to afternoons from from doing the morning, you know, all the Tito's top four, like all the fucked up um, song titles. I wrote all those for him every day. Really? I would change him. My hood rat's a hoe. Blah blah blah. Yeah, I would give him all the lingo that he didn't know. He didn't know what he was saying. He had no idea what right. hood rat meant or or my knee and all these little what words. Size? Yeah, we <laughs> we did turn him into a monster, dude. And <laughs> Tito stayed is a hoe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and he turned into a monster on his own. Like we helped build Tito, but he but was, Tito was always Tito. Yeah, Tito was always Tito. He just had that charisma about him, that energy, and everybody loved him and. In the research, they were like, it was like a grandfather or a grandpa that, that they knew. They, they had a family with connection. that heavy accent. So there was a connection there with them. They still love Tito. If they put us on Baker Boys and Tito right now, we'd kill the shit again. 100%. 100%. Thousand million percent. They have no idea. The energy we create is different than anybody else out there. I don't care who it is. Yes. Oh, well, you know what? I'm glad you guys are speaking, man. You know, and I love the energy that you guys bring. And we talked about that yeah. uh, when we were at the Brico. You said nobody brings the energy that we bring. And that's, Nobody. The, that's the truth. So we're going to go ahead and take a commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about what you guys are working on now. Yep. Uh, what can people expect? Uh, your Dash radio station. And uh, the question everybody wants to know, will you guys be back on Power 106? We'll answer that when we get back. Awesome. Okay. Okay, everybody. Once again, uh, Rodian Radio, episode 43. I'm your host, Tony the Wizard, and I'm with Bakersfield. Bakersfield. Baker, uh, Boys. Uh, Baker Boys. You know what? That one little damn beer got me, man. Shout out to Toker. Yes, shout out to Toker. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back in 10 minutes, you guys. Welcome back, everybody, to Rodian Radio, episode 43, and I'm learning so much on what to say and what not to say. Especially in front of us. <laughs> yes, so you let's can. just go ahead and jump right back into it, the Baker Boys. What up? Uh, you know what? I had a quick question. Uh, somebody asked me, how how or why did Proper Dose get fired from Power 106? I mean, the only thing I heard, there was an incident there at Power with some girls, some after hours, some drinking. That's all I heard. That's the only thing I knew. So uh, there was some condoms found in that's what the it was. Um, the lobby. So there was a couch on the lobby, and there were some condoms. I don't know if they were used or new, but <laughs> it happened during their time slot. That's what I heard that as well. So maybe yeah, that's, so what, that's what it was. That's all I knew. Wow, wow. Okay, now uh, this is something very interesting. At least that I guess that uh, I've only been doing a couple of shows or forty-three shows now with you guys, but you guys are. I, uh, obviously have uh, interviewed tons of people. Uh, was there ever one where it just didn't go anywhere? It's just like 
Maybe the guy felt offended or the guy was just a bad interviewer, if you will. The one a couple. Yeah. The, well, there's there is a couple. The one that comes to my mind was we had uh, Mary J. Blige on. Mary J. Blige, she was literally at the top of, of her game at, at that time. Um, biggest R&B artist out there. Obviously, you know, her her albums were incredible and stuff yes. like that. So she comes into the studio and we're trying to interview her and she's like reading the paper like in the middle of the interview, like reading the newspaper. She did not want to be there. And didn't want to be there and just like giving word, one word answers. And and Nick was like, hey, so are you going to put that paper down so we could talk or, or what? You know what I mean? Wow, called her on it. Yeah, called her on it. And it's crazy because like years later when we moved from power and then we went to San Francisco, it was a totally different person. I don't know what was going on with her at that time, but when we went to San Francisco, it was all love. It was great. Like she was happy to see us. We had a great interview, a great energy, great time. So it's really like it really depends on who you bring in there and what they're gonna, what their mood is, and how they're gonna be on the radio. It helps, you know. And to- also, you gotta be um, cognitive. Uh, Eric V used the word earlier about where we are. As far as presenters are concerned, I remember that we're very high energy. We're very like this, like this, like this. Yeah. And if they're not, you know, receptive to that, we're very quick to be like, hey, what's going on here? There's a problem. Right. You know, I mean, especially me. I, I didn't know then, like, slow down, talk to her sweetly. How was your night? Did you have, would you like coffee in the morning? You right. know, those types of things that I, now as an you know, older interviewer, I can, you know, do those kind of things to kind of guide and bring my level down to her to her level but back at power 106 in that time it was like boom 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 morning show yeah energy i can learn from that uh um, and and thank you for sharing is there anybody for you that stands out that you said that was a dope ass interview like there's a lot there's a lot of those but if it had to be mc hammer would probably be uh the one um he he was at his top top of his game i mean dude was doing taco bell commercials kfc commercials making the most money i mean he was doing everything, and um, you tell the story of when, what you told him straight up. Um, I told him like I don't like your music, I don't respect your music, and it's I don't really want really to do this interview, honestly, because I don't think I have anything to ask you. Um, and so he's like, "Okay, I I respect that. Thank you very much. I appreciate you being honest with me." And we had the best interview after that. Wow. I don't know if I told him on the air or off I think the you air. told him off the air, probably. Maybe. Hopefully. Wow. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, now, now let me share something with you guys about Hammer. After all these years, well, I met him one time. I was with Quick, Second to None, AMG, and it was just more of a handshake. Yeah. And I'll be honest with you, I kind of felt back then the way I, the way you felt. I didn't respect it. Yeah, yeah, because we're hip hop kids. Yes, we're like yes. Public Enemy, Cypress Hill, you know, hardcore shit. And MC Hammer's doing that. Oh, oh, oh. Yes. You know, and I, I, I was just too cool for the room, so so to speak. I didn't know that I'm fucking sitting in front of this guy that has helped hip hop escalate to this level. Take advantage of that. Yes. Be respectful of that. You know. But yes. I, I, I was, I was just too young. My boy, Big Daddy Swoles, is sitting behind you guys. He, he, not only is he a friend to Hammer, but he's also like a bodyguard to him. Tell okay. Hammer we're ready for part two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he took me, uh, Hammer performed at the Microsoft Theater a couple of weeks ago, okay. a month ago. So he took me and uh, we walked in the, the, the room. It was just me and him in there. And I told him, um, I've been in all kinds of dressing rooms where people are, you know, smoking weed, drinking Hennessy, girls are getting laid. And, 
But when I walked into that dressing room, I didn't want to leave because I, I truly, truly felt the positive energy nice. mm -hmm. in that room. And I, and I told my boy, I said, you know what? I've never felt that in any other dressing room before. Yeah. Before. I, I just, even from his dancers, it was just so positive. You know, it, it was so weird. I almost felt like, man, am I in church or something? Like, right. it felt that good. Like, yeah. it, it was weird. But, uh, and then when I saw him perform, it, it was awesome. So much love, much respect oh. to MC Hammer. And, and, and for you, anybody that stand out to you that you might have interviewed? Um, there's been a couple for me. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, first of all, I don't get excited interviewing people like most people. Okay. Um, we've had, you know, numerous artists. It just doesn't excite me. Just like concerts. I don't get excited for a lot. Right. Period. I mean, um, the main people I was excited to interview uh, was Marley Mall. Who was a producer who basically shipped, uh, shaped the whole East Coast rap? Yes. You know, from Cool G Rap and Polo, Big Daddy Kane, Juice Crew, all that, uh, Roxanne Shante, like all that, that was our shit. So interviewing him was dope for us. That yes. was exciting for me. I got, you know, I got fanboy type of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dr. Dre, obviously, what he's done on the West Coast, all the music he's done and everything he's done for, for hip hop. Yes. James Brown. Wow. Um, the Godfather of Soul. I mean, he was. He was amazing. I mean, having him, he invited us to a show in Vegas, uh, you know, gave us show ticket shows and flew us out and the whole thing. Wow. So that guy was great. Um, Barry White, class mm -hmm. act, 100% class act. Dude had, he was just, you know, my mom was a big fan of Barry White. So that dude sent us a basket. He was just, you know, so I'm talking about iconic people who change the shape of music. Those yes. are people I get excited about. Quincy yeah. Jones. Quincy Jones. Um, oh. The people that have done so much for the art form you know that's the only people i get excited about so i get invited to coachella i get invited to all these festivals i'm like unless james brown's there unless <laughs> this person's there unless the beatles are there don't invite me because i'm not impressed well well i'm gonna confess something okay i was excited for this one ah, yeah. thank you I i'm dead serious you thank know it's funny that's your tire bro <laughs> When I told people that I was having the Baker Boys here, here's what they told me. That's big time, bro. Oh, uh, thank you, man. I'm dead serious. I said, yeah, that's big time. And I was like, I know. I know. <laughs> you know, so to me, it was a bless. Like I said, once again, it's a blessing having you guys here. Now, for people that may not know, possibly this new generation, uh, who the Baker Boys are or what they did, can you guys, and I, know, and I don't mean it like in a show-off way, can you like name drop some of the rappers that you guys who may not even be with us anymore, you know, might have passed away or rappers that you guys have interviewed. Because I know I've seen a picture with you guys with Biggie. Yeah, um, Biggie. Yeah, we, we had Biggie. Um, a friend had called us and said, did he just start a label, Bad Boy Records, through Arista? He's got this new artist called Notorious B.I.G. Wants the interview. You want to, want to bring him up for an interview? We were like, yeah, we were open. Okay. You know, we were open. Uh, like, if they were doing stuff or making names or uh, making moves, um, Mr. Chalk called me one night. It's like I got this cat Eminem. He just won the battle uh, something on um, on the source or unsigned hype or something like that. Yes. And white kid from Detroit. We're like, yeah, bring him in if he's dope. Bring him in. We don't. We didn't care. We didn't care where you're from, what color you were, what you believed in, what your religious background was. We dope is dope. Period. Yes. And that's all it was. It was just finding the dopest artists and putting them on the air. Wu Tang okay. Clan, obviously. Yeah. Wu Tang Clan. Tupac. Uh, we did not interview Tupac. 
We did okay. not. We, we made a mistake with Tupac, and I, I've said this before. So our friend uh, King Hems, who used to work at Interscope Records, this was around the time we did Pistol Grip Pump. Okay. So he asked us, and, and this is going to be blasphemy for everybody, but I'm going to be admitting it. So I wasn't a huge fan of Tupac, personally. Um, and um, so he asked for beats for Tupac. And I said, nah, we're good. We're not going to work with him. Nah, we're cool. Like, and that was a mistake of ours. You know, we're taking our personal, personal uh, feeling towards any anything. You know, I just, I just, his style didn't resonate with me like yeah. other people's. Um, and so that was a mistake, you know. Okay. Well, you know, let, let me say something. Um, I love Tupac. I love his music. I had an opportunity to meet him. You know when I met him actually? 1992 at the Gavin. Okay. That's when I met him. And, but I will say this in all fairness that, and I hope people understand what I'm saying. So I'm going to be very careful choosing my words. But during that time, there was a lot of people that didn't like him, mm -hmm. that did not like him at, pretty much as a person. And and I shared that with my with my sons because my sons, you know, see Tupac yeah. way up here. Right. He's like a, became a Mexican saint to us. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I get it. And I understand that. Guy can, yes. Those Pacos. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and, and uh, but there was a lot of people, a lot of people that just didn't like him, you know. So well, he he was he was a um, he was a spitfire in every way, shape, or form. And when when he started, when I guess the the media started hounding him, and and he reacted in the way he did, he kind of scared me off. Yeah, I wasn't prepared as a young 21, 22 year old man to interview somebody like him that is spitting in the camera and being very, very vocal. I wouldn't know how to handle that. So I was right. honestly scared. Right. I, and I remember when Alan and Albert, the Hughes brothers, called me and t told me, yeah, he came back with a bunch of dudes and beat us up on the set. Whoa. You know, so I started hearing a lot of that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So I was like, OK, well, maybe the dude is a loose cannon. But there, I understand the reason why people felt the way they felt about him. May he rest in peace. Yeah. You know, moving on. So now, um, I know you guys are producing still. Yes. You guys are work, working on stuff right now. What can people expect from the Baker Boys today or uh, as far as music is concerned? Immediately, I have a new single coming out. We have a new single on our uh, Empire platform, Empire Records. We have a uh, digital distribution deal with them. And I have an artist I've been working with for many, many years. His name is Gifted. I produced a single. It's called Can't Sleep. It's an R&B pop record. And uh, that's going to be happening and dropping on the 30th of this month. And on Spotify, Sp excuse me, Spotify, Spotify comes out tomorrow. So you guys can go and please pre-save it and listen to it. And um, it's uh, called Can't Sleep by I Am Gifted. And then later on, um, I have a, a few other Nick VZ record coming out with a few artists that I've been working with. Uh, B Fly, uh, that's Game's sister. Uh, that's, name, that's Game's sister? That's Game's sister. Oh, I didn't know that. I know, right? She's, <laughs> she's dope from as Compton. Fuck. She's dope as hell. Yeah, she's dope. Uh, Dre Lloyd from the East Coast. I got a track with them together. Uh, I have a single with just B Fly. And we have a Baker Boy single that we're working on with uh, Problem. Problem. And Donnie Loke. Donnie Loke local cat out of here in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And I'm also pulling a verse from uh, GT Garza out of Texas. Mm -hmm. So there's a Baker Boy single coming out this year before the summer as well. And then we have a secret project uh, that is a little more left of center, okay. more on the electronic scene. Okay. Uh, we formed a group in a production um, 
entity called Pony Funk uh -huh. that uh, we released a song in 2014, more on the dance, uh, G House stuff. So that's another creative outlet for us that yeah. we've created. And we did a lot of demos in the past that we're, re, um, we're getting ready to release that as well. So okay. a lot of production work going on, as well as uh, submitting tracks for licensing, uh, for television shows, um, for commercials, um, cue points in movies, and things of that nature as well. Awesome, man. Awesome. Do you, and you guys play any instruments? Not really. I mean, no. No, we just play by ear. You know, we're not, we can't be like, you know, playing a whole <laughs> concerto or something like that. Right. No, no. Okay. Mm -hmm. now, now, are you guys working together on this or do you have your own stuff? We have our own stuff, but we also work together as okay. well. So Nick has, Nick has a ton of music. He, he has beats after beats. After, I mean, I don't even know how many... I, if I don't like it, I throw it away. I just okay. I throw it away. He okay. keeps everything. I don't do that. Oh, okay, now let me ask you this. I, I don't want him to look at me when I ask you this. Uh -oh. Do you ever listen to any of his beats and like? Yeah, I tell him. I tell him. I tell him like this. You no, know, you got to fix this. You got to change this. You gotta... and, and what do you think when you when you hear that? They stopped playing him beats. Yeah, that's what he did. I stopped playing him beats. Okay. You know, I, as much as I respect his his knowledge and his wisdom and you yes. know his ear. I cannot let him and his perfection mm -hmm. stop me from doing me. Yeah, he don't want to be t detoured from that. So no, because if I turn, if I played him everything that I did, nothing would ever come out. I have a question for you about an artist that you mentioned, Problem. Yeah. Okay. I remember this person who is big in the music industry from coast to coast said this. Now this is what this person said. I didn't say it. Okay. Problem was on everybody's lips yeah before quick got a hold of him oh shit quick produced his record and nobody ever hears about him anymore yeah i didn't hear the record yeah I, you know i heard like one or two songs and i didn't really know what it was i was like Whoa. okay what is this like you know but it, since then i think it was a rosecrans ep mm -hmm. or whatnot okay. has he dropped anything since then no, 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 not really. Out of the scene, for the most part. Yeah. We got this verse long, long time ago. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, he blessed us up a long time. We got a good relationship with him. Uh, he's. We've had things at Cali Kings for him in the past. My mm -hmm. brother Frank V, rest in power. And um, you know he respects us. Um, and we asked him for a verse. And he's like, sure, no problem. Though, you know, the, the reason why I asked that is because this person is very well respected in the game. And uh, when this person told me this, I was like. And I thought about it, I was like, yeah, that's true, I guess, you know. But yeah, because everybody was saying that he's like the next biggest thing. And then when he teamed up with so-and-so, it, you know. I mean, unfortunately, in this business, on the radio side and the record side, if people start saying things about you, people just start believing it, whether yeah. it's true or not. Right. You know, we've gotten the tag of we're difficult to work with. Uh, we want too much money. Like, we've been up for gigs in different cities you know and they're like oh no i've heard this about him i've heard that about him I'm like man you know make your own decision right like don't go off what everybody else says mm -hmm. i mean you know but it, it is what it is okay now how many years from the day you guys started to the day you guys left how many years were you guys there at power 106 well so uh, so 93 to 99 so, so six and a half years okay six and a half years now why did you guys leave um it was a, it was a it was a disrespect thing for me okay uh, nick made feel different it was a, a disrespect thing honestly like we had done so much for that station uh we had helped build that station to what it is today well not what it is today because it's not even close to what it could be um 
we helped create the foundation for power, period. Yes. Um, if it, if Baker Boys wouldn't have came here to have that opportunity, there would be no big boy who found his way through Nick. There would be no Tito who found his way through me. There would be no E-Man who found his way through me. Um, that's pretty much what built that station. Us, big boy, Tito, E-Man. Without that, power would not be what it is. And nobody and, can deny that. They will. They will deny it. You know, um, but they always feel like there's no nobody bigger than the station. And they always try to make you feel like that. Mm -hmm. You know, like you need them more than we need you. But it's actually the opposite. You have no talent at a station. You have no ratings. And you have no ratings. You can't sell. If you can't sell, you can't make money. You're losing money. Yeah. I know for a fact they're losing money right now. But will they do anything about it? I don't know. Yeah. Let them keep losing money. Yeah. So, you know, it was, it was, a, it was a disrespect thing, you know. Um, but, you know, also being younger and not having the right um, mindset, guidance, mindset, guidance um, you know, somebody to, to deal with business for us. Yeah. We made mistakes, you know, but we're not those people we were. You know, and, and I've, we've tried, I, especially me, I've tried multiple times to make an effort to rectify what happened there and go back. Um, I've reached out to the people who were in charge before the new company bought it. And, you know, when Big left, I reached out to them and I said, hey, you know, we're here. We're in L.A. If you need somebody to hold, hold it down to you, figure out what you're going to do, you know, let us know. And they're like, no, we're good. We're, we're going to stay with what we have now. We think they got what it takes. And OK, I, I, all right. See, you to know? me, that's a no brainer to bring you guys back. Why do you think that they would say, no, we're OK, we're good? Um, they're mad we, le we left. OK. They're still mad. It's like, OK, you left. OK, people leave. It happens. Yeah. You know what I mean? Get over it. Move on. Why would you not? Put somebody on you know will help your station as opposed to your own personal feelings or ill will towards that person because of they left you. Right, right. And, and that's what it is. I know you shared a little bit of, you know, they're losing money now. How do you feel about the Power 106 format the way it is right now? Nick V? Mm, it is what it is. It's just there. There's nothing special going on. They're not doing anything that is better than Spotify, Pandora, YouTube. It's just there, right? Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go on the record and say this: the last time I listened to Power 106 was when you guys were there. Hmm. That was it. I don't listen to the radio anymore. You didn't. You're not missing there, anything. There's nothing to miss. Yeah, and and that was the thing about like even you know we did our show on Dash. We've been off since October, but we did our show for eight months there, and it was we were gaining momentum. Mm -hmm. There were people watching us, not only from you know within the industry, but you know I've heard of them and other radio stations watching what we're doing and even stealing some of the stuff we were doing. Wow. You know what I mean? It's like they they don't want us on there, but they don't want us against them. How you can't have it both ways. It just needs somebody to pull pull their shit together and say we're going to put them on and that the magic will happen. Right. What we have they can't recreate. They tried multiple times. They tried multiple times with multiple duos after us. Mm. You know, from the Goodfellas. No names. What? We don't need to say no names. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not throwing them under the bus. I know, I know. But, but they've tried multiple times from different right. duos. I still put us up against any of them. I, I don't care. No, I, I, I'm trying to think who 
but like you said, you'll put yourself up against anybody who who would who would compete. Because here's what some of the fans of Rodium Radio, for what little time we've been on, a couple of months, have said: Power One Hundred Six Morning Show sucks. Yeah, it does. That's the number one thing that people Period. are saying. Uh, there's a guy that's faithfully on uh, the chat. Uh, I'm not going to say his name. Dover. But, no. <laughs> <laughs> you keep setting yourself up, bro. That's in the past. <laughs> I Good learned. Good you job. learned. Learn. Um, that he, Baker Boys, he said this in December. And, and this is why I asked you when I saw you the other night. Uh, Baker Boys will be on Power 106 back in January. January came. Baker Boys will yeah. be, you know. No, I know who it is. I know exactly I know, I know who, who it is. is. <laughs> and he, he tells us the same thing. And you know what? Um, would it be great for me? Yeah, I would love it. Nick, Nick's kind of over the whole radio thing. Mm -hmm. But this is what we do. This is what right. we're great at, I think. And like I said, you know, you put us on a, a major situation like that. It, it, it's no with the knowledge we have now because right. back when we did our show we didn't know what the fuck we were doing i will admit it 100 percent. we had no clue how to do a morning show we had no clue how to you know how to format things how to you know get in and out and like we know that shit now we've been you know it's like it's the back of our hand we know what the hell's going on you, you know and that's exactly what I told you when I saw you. I said, I don't know what I'm doing. And I was honest. Yeah. You know, I, I was honest because I look at you guys, uh, whether you guys see yourself as this way, as professionals, as people. If people want to either start up their own radio station or their own podcast, they need to look at the Baker Boys as a blueprint, as they made it work. You don't necessarily have to be like them, but no. maybe there's things that they did that it could encourage you, inspire you, or motivate you to do you. You know, uh, I've always said this. I don't ever try to be better than anyone. It's always, I want just want to be different uh, from possibly the Baker Boys. Yeah. From, want to be different from Big Boy or mm -hmm. whatnot. Because that's what makes you unique. You guys were different yeah. from everybody. And you guys brought that. And that's why it worked. That's why it fucking blew up. You know? And nobody can deny that. So when I heard, you know, that the way power was acting toward you guys, mm -hmm. I... I thought, you know, first of all, I don't know them, so I can say whatever the fuck I want. Yeah. I thought that was kind of chicken shit, you know. Uh, why not just say, hey, listen, okay, look, let's try this out and let's go from here. We did. We did. We've done it. We, we, okay. We've done it enough times and I've told Eric, that's yeah. it. That's it. No more. Let them fucking fail. Let them do what they're going to do and let us use YouTube, Instagram, all the free access. We have a bigger microphone and a bigger radio signal than they will ever have mm -hmm. with all of these other platforms out there. It's gonna be hard because we're independent, but look right. what you guys are doing here. This yeah. is awesome. Thank you. Congratulations to Thank everybody you. here, everybody involved. It takes a lot of work to do what you guys are doing here. Me and Eric, it's just us. Thank we're you. doing yeah, it. This is the own. team. This is everything, you know, on our YouTube channel that we've done. We had to learn how to edit. We had to learn how to make thumbnails. We had to, all the shit that, you know, we've always been like that though. We've yeah. always just figured it out somehow. And we'll figure this out too. You know? Awesome. Uh, well, well hope we're all still young enough. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm about to be 52. I'm an old ass man. You can hey, see me walking around with a cane soon. Mm. But, um, but anyways, other than that, uh, now, besides music, oh, you know, I think you mentioned that uh, any movie scores that we can... You know? Not yet, not cue points, not yet. But we have a lot of uh, a lot of poles in the water right now, so we're just waiting for a bite or two. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I know you said you had did a uh, uh, 
company party or whatnot you guys oh yeah are you guys still spinning we're djing here and there nick djs more than me i i don't really look for it too much because you really kind of there's two things to you got to be out either meeting people seeing people to get gigs or you got to have a manager we don't have either i don't really care to go out and beg for a gig i mean i'll play you know i played a, a birthday party not too long ago and they paid me better than somewhere i'd play for freaking four hours you know, so private gigs or whatever, I'm, I'm open to do anything like that. And Eric's gaming a lot. Yeah. So follow him, Madden. He does Madden. Yeah, I've been playing uh, uh, Madden in, uh, my, on Twitch is PinchBuck0. And PinchBuck0 is a blitz that you use in okay. the game. So it was like one, like for this year, the, when Madden came out, that was like the blitz everybody was running. So I thought it would be funny just to call my name that. Don't, so I change my name every once in a while, but I'm streaming on that on Twitch. Well, I'm gonna have to buy me an Xbox because I, I, like I'm a PlayStation guy, and right here on the side of my house, I used to uh, have four TVs, four PlayStations. Oh, damn! And uh, the pop would probably be between eight or nine hundred bucks. Okay. Whoa. And you know what's funny? I always lost the game before the championship or on the championship. I never fucking won my own pot, but I would say I play with the best of them. Yeah. But, you know, so one day I'm gonna have to take you up. On yeah, Xbox. let me know. Uh, wait for the new Xbox that's coming out. You can get that, and even if you want to use your PlayStation controller, you can still use that on on uh, Xbox. Really? As an adapter. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna have to do that. That's the only way. Because a lot of people they're like, oh, I don't like the controller or this and that. You know, it's all personal preference. Right. Right. So yeah. Now, something you said about 30 minutes ago. Uh, just really quick, I want to bring this up. When you said about Cypress Hill, mm-hmm. you were playing, everybody was saying, oh, that shit's fucking whack. I had the demo when they were shopping their deal. No way. Steve Yano had given it to me. And I remember, uh, I fucking loved it, but I got the same reaction mm-hmm. that you got. It was different. Yes. It sounded different. You want to be different. You knew different. Yes. When you heard it, it didn't sound like anything we've ever heard. And it's from Southgate. Yes. And they're Latino. Yes. Hello. Yes. Fuck. Yes. Easy. And well, um, we actually brought him out for Nick's birthday. My 18th it was birthday. His 18th birthday. Cypress Hill performed at my birthday yeah. in Bakersfield. Yeah. At the Kern County Fairgrounds. Wow. And actually, yeah. we got our name from uh, the two fat Mexicans came from B Real. From B Real. Yeah, our very first show. Was he our first guest? Yeah. Yeah. B Real and uh, Sun uh, Doobie. Funk Dubious. Funk Dubious. Uh, B Real was our first guest. And he's like, and the two fat guys. Yes. And then we took that and turned it into two, two fat, fat Mexicans. Mexicans. No, and then there was a time where you got just lost like a gang ass weight. That was on there. I'm me. still fat as fuck. Me. <laughs> yeah. And, and, well, I mean, just health reasons. Health concerns, yeah, okay. actually. Okay. All good, brother. Now, I want to take the time right now to give you guys want to give any shout outs? Let's start with you. Oh, man. Shout out to everybody who's uh, watching us on YouTube right now. Twitch Mob. Uh, Will the Conqueror, Mike D. I seen him in there. Uh, who was it? Who was it? Melissa G. Shouts out to all the family that is watching and tuning in right now. Uh, Austin, Butler, uh, Debbie, uh, all the Wilson family and the Gonzalez family tuning in and watching. Yeah, well. all the Twitch mob. We have, a, we have our own little Twitch mob. So when we were doing the show on Dash, we'd, we'd stream on Twitch, uh, YouTube. So we had YouTube Mafia. And we had uh, Twitch mob and Facebook, Facebook family. family. So we had different awesome. gangs, awesome. <laughs> online gangs. So now for me... Um, when would you guys be back? Do you guys have a date Mm-mm. on Dash? Right now, no. Uh, we don't have a date, especially with all this bullshit going on right now. Uh, there's no date. Um, yeah. So we're just like, we're, that's that's what led us back, led me back to doing the production because we had the off time. So might as well concentrate on doing yeah. some music as well. So, so. now, now uh, as far as music, are you guys still using SP12 or are you guys moved on to? Ableton. 
All Ableton. Ableton. Really? Yeah. So that's what you would recommend. So let's just say somebody comes up to you and says, I want to learn how to produce. What would you recommend? It? Ableton. Ableton. Get it for free. Ableton Lite. Right now, you can get it for free. Really? Yeah. Damn, I didn't know that. You can produce any kind of music you want on there. And look through tutorials on YouTube. That's how I learned. And wow. if you know somebody that knows Ableton, ask them to come over and buy them a drink and let them help you show you. Help show you. <laughs> okay, I'm going to have to look that up because everybody can tell me logic, logic, logic. Logic is good, but it's very confusing. It's very professional. It's good. It's Apple. If you're familiar with like Pro Tools, logic will work for you. Yeah. Okay. If you're a DJ, like you are the four track thing, Ableton is more DJ friendly. Okay, that's what I needed to hear. Yeah, Ableton's more DJ friendly, but also I, heard, I just seen uh, a couple videos of people working on uh, Serato Studio as well. Mm. So I've seen one with Just Blaze working on that and Jazzy Jeff and all those guys. So they're starting to use that too. That's another type of platform okay. uh, for producing. Okay. You know what? I have to ask you this question. I have to. Last question. Last question. And then I'll get my shout outs and we'll get the fuck out of here. Now, um, what do you guys think? Because you guys... To me, you guys have interviewed and been on top, if you will, of, let me just say it, the world, okay? Mm -hmm. Power 106, morning show, interviewed Biggie, Mary J. Blige, you know, uh, James Brown. Yeah. Where do you guys see or what do you guys think about Chicano rap? Um, Chicano rap, I, I think uh, they've been pigeonholed um, as far as their, their style. They stay in their one lane and that's fine. They can do that, but if they want to blow up outside of that, you got to do what like somebody like Big Pun did, or somebody like Cypress Hill did, or name a couple other ones you can think of that kind of broke out of that. Like Kid Frost, Melaman Ace. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple of Latinos that did real big, and yeah. uh, Immortal Technique, for yeah. that matter, um, Latino heavy. Uh, Gavi is another Latino, but he's more on the Christian rap, but he's you know, uh, R&B and, you know, but he's still doing his thing. You, I would say expand yourself outside of your neighborhood. Thank yeah. you. I think that, that that's the best way to put it because a lot of people have asked me, why do you think a Chicano rapper has never blown up to the stature of a Snoop, of a yeah. game or whatever? Yeah, you got to be more mass appeal. You got to be more mass appeal. And then also um, what I tell people, even no matter what race they are, if your record don't sound good between the two hit biggest hit records that I'm playing right now, whether it's Drake, Life is Good, or the new whatever it is, it's got to stand its own. It's got to have its own weight to be able to stand between those records. And there's so much culture and there's so much beauty in, in Latinos that there's a lot to build from. There's a lot to pull from besides, you know, just gang banging and selling drugs. And people do that all the time. But there's also love songs and there's also yeah. heartbreak. You know, there's some you know broad things um, that you can build off of your neighborhood. You know, you know, like uh, gentrification. You know, what I mean, there's all kinds of things that everybody's going through that you might be able to tap into to help broaden your range. Right. Because well, one thing that I would hear in the late '90s, oh, they won't play my record. They won't support us, and they're supposed to be Mexican. Mm -hmm. Here's what I would say. And at that time, you know, I, I didn't know what your guys' situation was at Power, but I said. Well, you got to give them something to work with, bro. Yeah. If it's not good, it's not good. It's, That's it. It's, it's the same thing. Like you said, no matter what color you are, we, we, we're we blind to color when it yeah. comes to music. Yes. Your music has got to be dope. If it's dope, it's dope. I don't care what color you are, what planet you're from, or neighborhood for that matter. If it stands next to Wu-Tang Clan, guess what? You're going to get played next to Wu-Tang Clan. <laughs> but it's got to be that dope. Dope. 
So I'm glad you guys answered this question, and I'm sure everybody who's watching this would understand that and apply that to their music. Absolutely. So, and if there's anything, you know, questions that people have for us, we're an open book. We want to help guide folks and give them free knowledge that we've been given game for many, many years for from people that just gave it to us. So, you know, it's up to us to pass that along so they have success as well, the next generation. So it's safe to say from the bottom to the top, Baker Boys. Yeah. And that's where you in my book, that's where you guys are still at, brother. Thank, thank you, man. brother. So appreciate it. God bless you guys, brother. Thank you guys for coming. I'm gonna give my shout outs. Uh my boy John Motherfucking Elkins, who makes all this possible. What up, John? Yeah, make sure all you young hotties follow him at John Motherfucking Elkins. I want him oh, to get married. Shit. Uh, we need to be in Hawaii next year sipping margaritas while he's getting his toes licked. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Damn. And, yeah. Then my boy DG DG Media Clips, follow him on Instagram. Let me give a shout out to my boy Big Daddy Big Big Daddy Swoles. You don't want to fuck with Big Daddy Swoles. No, you don't fuck with. And let me give a shout out to uh, Sandy Pants, Sandy's Insights. Uh, follow her as well on Instagram or whatnot. But also, I just want to say, oh, to my son B Scanless for helping me promote this. Other than that, to Eric and Nick for coming, the Baker Boys, Bakersfield Royalty. Thank you. They build and they made Power 106. I said it here on Rodian Radio. Once again, brothers, thank you. We'll hey, do man, these. thank you. Oh, we're going to do this. Yeah, we'll do one of these. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Okay, everybody, stay coronavirus. Uh, yeah, oh, speaking of that, I wanted to throw in, yes. I'm looking for a quarantine buddy, so help me out. Yes. Okay. Fat guys wear black on Instagram, man. That's it. <laughs> Look them up. Stay blessed, everybody. Uh, we'll be back Sunday. I'll take that soon.